Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Um, I want to have a couple of volunteers, if I may. Uh, let me have three people. Um, let's see here. Let's, uh, we got to make this work properly. Okay, we'll have one over here. So she, but I need a married couple. Let me have a married couple. We have any married folks? Let me have Justina and Garvey. Come on. All right, awesome. So we have three people, all right. Uh, this is the illustration that came to my heart. Um, I'm going to ask you guys just to come up here, um, to come, come to the front here. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask um, Garvey, would you come in the middle, please? And I'm going to ask you to face, uh, before you do, I'm going to just tell you what, what, what I want you to do. I'm going to have you face uh, Beth, excuse me. <laughs> why, am I, why am I drawing? Beatrice, good Lord, have mercy. Forgive me, darling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm under the anointing, that's what it is. Beatrice. Um, and I want you to see something here. Now, I want you guys to just stare at each other for as long as you can. Okay, let's stop. <laughs> All right. Um, how, 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 how long was that? Three seconds? Okay. I want you, Beatrice, to stare in Justina's face, okay? For as long as you keep trying to keep a straight face. Okay, not a straight face, but that's okay. How long was that? All right, cool. Now, I'm gonna have Garvey and um, Justina. I want you guys to stare at each other. Oh, wow, y'all get all close now. I love that mercy. Oh, that, that's cool, that helps. That helps with where I'm going. Okay. Oh, holding hands now. Oh, wow. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's good. That that serves my purpose. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you why I actually do that. Give them a hand, guys. It's a simple illustration that the Lord gave to me to show something that. Notice that when Beatrice and Garvey first looked at each other, there was an immediate awkwardness. They, they like each other. They're cool. There's no beef. But there's a little bit of an awkwardness to it, right? You, ever, you, you know people who you, you, you converse with and they just, they're, they're very close in your face and you're like, you know, wow, that's, that's kind of close, you know? And you kind of back up a little bit, you know, and then and they kind of move up. You know those kinds of people? All right. So I want you to notice that I had them really close to each other, and they were looking at each other face to face, but there was a slight awkwardness. Now, granted, it's because it's probably in front of you too. But then you see when the married couple, Garvey and Beatrice, Garvey and Justina, excuse me, are looking at each other, there was a little bit, and I didn't ask them to hold hands. I didn't ask them to get close to each other. I didn't ask them to do all of that. I didn't have to. There was an immediate intimacy that was different because they were married, right? I kind of gave it away by saying they were married. Most of you know, but some of you didn't know. And if, and if you didn't know they were married, you would have thought, okay, clearly they're in a relationship, right? 
you would have saw a difference between how they looked at each other and how, say, Garvey and Beatrice looked at each other, right? And I think the Lord wants me to really bring out this simple fact that there are many people who look at Jesus, but there is an awkwardness there. There is an awkwardness there. There is not a, a clear intimate relationship that he desires and he wants there to be no awkwardness he wants where you are looking at him face to face there is that immediate engagement there is that immediate closeness there's that immediate intimacy and I want to share with you what it looks like to face Jesus because that's that's the kind of intimacy that he wants with all of us tonight and today, I don't know why I said tonight. <laughs> he wants that kind of intimacy. And I'm speaking that over your life today. Intimacy is your portion. Something's going to happen when you are close and intimate with Jesus. You're going to discover some things about him. One of the reasons why we become a little self-conscious when we're looking at people is because, let's be real. When you're close to someone and someone's close to you and you're looking at them and let's just say they're not a significant other, even if they are, but let's just say they're not, you immediately or most people immediately become self-conscious. You begin to think, do I have a bug in my nose? Is my breath fresh? Do I have lint, you know, somewhere? Am I making sense? Do I sound silly? When you get close to someone, you immediately become self-aware and self-conscious. And that's what creates the awkwardness. That's what creates that feeling of, oh my God, this is a little awkward. You see all my imperfections. You see that, that scar on my face. You see that 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 twitch maybe that I that I have or you see this mark that I'm not too fond of you see everything that I don't want you to see so we feel comfortable being at arm's length we feel comfortable not being close that's where I'm covered that's where I have space that's where I'm safe that's where I'm guarded that's where I'm not fully seen but Jesus wants to fully see you and he wants you to fully see him how many want that kind of relationship? You would say, well, God, he sees all, so he knows. No, no, when, he, when I say he wants to fully see you, he wants you to be willing to be fully seen by him and not cover up. You'd be surprised how many people have a hard time admitting certain things to God, even in the privacy of their own home, even, even, even in the privacy of their own prayer closet, Certain words are so difficult to utter to God. And that's what I'm talking about when I say being fully seen by God. He wants the things you feel uncomfortable saying to him. He wants you to be fully seen by him. And one of the things that's going to help you, and we're going to talk more about this today, is that you'll discover you can be this way because God doesn't condemn you. The reason why we are self-conscious is because we 
at some point or at some place in our hearts, we are afraid of being condemned. We are afraid of being judged. You know, they say that the biggest fear is public speaking, but in reality, it's not. The biggest fear is the opinion of man. Because people are afraid of speaking publicly because what are they really afraid of? What people are thinking of them. What people are feeling about. That's what the biggest fear is. It's other people's thoughts about them. It's other people's judgments about them. That's what people are really afraid of. And so this is why people keep others at arm's length. But I have good news for you. And I really want this to sink deep into your spirit. Jesus doesn't condemn you. And he wants you to be completely vulnerable about everything you think and feel and want and desire and are afraid of, whatever it is, he wants all of you. And you can be. And when you are, something freeing takes place in your walk with God. One of the reasons why people had a problem with Jesus is because he seemingly seemingly somebody say seemingly he seemingly overlooked people's wrongdoing and made light of sin and this is one of the things that the religious leaders couldn't stand about Jesus because they were used to punishing people crucifying people vilifying people excommunicating people that was the order of the day when you don't follow the law we come after you when you're not right we come after you when you're not following everything the old testament teaches we come after you and then here comes jesus seemingly seemingly overlooking people's faults overlooking people's wrongdoings in their minds, he was sort of excusing behavior. He was excusing wrongdoing, and they couldn't stand it, and they hated it. Not that Jesus did that, but that's how it appeared. And the reason why it appeared this way is because Jesus came, the Bible says, full, somebody say full, of grace and truth. They wanted only truth. They only wanted truth. They only wanted law. They only wanted what's right, what's wrong. Be black, be white. And Jesus came. Yes, I'm black and white, and I can, I'm going to speak truth, but I'm also going to be gracious. And people couldn't handle that. They thought, wait a minute, if you don't stone her to death because she was caught in adultery, then you're going to give license to people to cheat on their husbands. They were afraid. And this is why people condemn other people. It's because inwardly they have secret fears. This is why Esther became queen. Is because Vashti, the queen prior to her, she dishonored the king. And if you look at the story of Esther, the rest of the men were nervous. And they said, king, you got to do something about this. Your wife played you. And the word's going to get out. And all our wives are going to diss us. So you got to set up another queen. And if you see the language that these men spoke of, they said, so that the men can be honored. They pushed the king to set up Esther because they were afraid. They were afraid. Fear will cause.
cause you to condemn people. And it will cause you to even condemn yourself. It will cause you to live a life of condemnation. And I want you to know Jesus doesn't condemn you today. I know these are words that you may have heard before, but I really want them to sink deep into your heart as to what it means. Jesus doesn't condemn you. Look at someone near you and say, Jesus doesn't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you. One of the things I love about Christ is that this is what he does. He upholds the law or the law of righteousness. He upholds what is right. But at the same time, he upholds people. The religious leaders, they knew what it was to uphold the law. But in order for them to do this effectively, they had to put down people. So they would exalt what's right. And the only way they would do that is if they pointed to you and said, you're wrong. And they would exalt what's right, but you're wrong. This is right, but you're wrong. This is right, but you're wrong. And Jesus flipped the script. He did something completely different. He said, this is right. Now, what you did may be wrong, but I'm going to still uphold you because I value you. I value who you are. I don't value just the law and not care about you. I'm going to uphold you and I'm going to uphold what's right. That's a beautiful thing. And many times people like to uphold what's right at the expense of people. This is right, and I don't care about you. No, God is like, this is right. I'm not abolishing the law. I'm actually fulfilling it. But you are right also, and I want to uphold you. I want to make you my righteousness. I want to value you as I value my word. That's beautiful. That's wonderful news. Jesus empowers you to live a life free of condemnation. Let me share with you 1 John chapter 3, 20 to 21. This is beautiful news here. It says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Have you ever, by a show of hands, felt condemned in your heart? Okay, good. Not good, but glad that you're honest. <laughs> so you felt condemned in your heart. So let's, what does that feeling look like? What does it mean to feel condemned? It means when you feel I'm not all the way right with God. I'm not what I should be. I shouldn't be asking God for this because I haven't measured up in some way. Let me ask you another question. How many of you can say you once broke a promise to God? God, I'll never do this. God, I won't go there. Lord, I'm cutting this person off. Lord, I won't say that again. Anybody said anything like that? And how many of you after that? You said it. You went there. You saw that. Broke a promise. Now, what happens when you break a promise? Many times, there's a feeling that enters your heart. What do you feel? Guilt. Ashamed. A hypocrite. A phony. You're not right with God. You're playing God. 
And then here's where the next step goes. Listen, why don't you just get it out your system before you go back to God? Let's just go all the way with this until I'm done. And then I can say, take me to the king, you know? Like, why don't you just live it all out? Because clearly you're not sincere. Clearly you really don't want God. Clearly you haven't made up your mind. Clearly you're not serious. So why don't you just do you until you know it's going to come to that fateful end? And then once you're done and you've got out your system, now you can go to God and say, Lord, take me. That's a voice of condemnation. That's a voice of condemnation pushing you away from the things of God. So the scripture says this, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I love that. Notice it says, and knows all things. So what does it mean that God is greater than your heart and he knows all things? What should that tell you? What doesn't know all things? Your heart. That feeling of condemnation that tells you who you are is telling you a half-truth. It's telling you something that's not completely true. That feeling of condemnation that tells you you're phony, you're not real, you're not real with God, that doesn't know all things. God knows all things and he's greater than your heart. So when you feel a form of condemnation, understand that is a human experience, that is a human emotion. We can all relate to a moment like that. But what do you need to know in that moment? God is greater than this feeling. And he knows all things. Well, what does God know? He knows the work that he has begun in you. He knows that he has made you a new creation. He knows that you are blood-bought, blood-washed. He knows you're a purchased possession. He knows that there is an incorruptible seed in you. He knows that you're forgiven. Your heart sometimes don't know that, but God knows that. He knows that next week you're going to be a complete you're going to be walking completely different. He knows all things. Your heart doesn't know that. Your heart just knows the emotion, the feeling, the guilt, the shame. My God, how did I get here? I'm not real. And that's, that's why the word of the Lord is saying, listen, when your heart condemns you, you need to know something. God is greater than that moment, greater than that feeling, greater than your heart. And he knows all things. I have good news for you. Jesus is not condemning you today. Thank you, Lord. I said it all. I say it a lot, but it bears repeating. Again, what you are tempted to do does not identify who you are. What you have done doesn't identify who you are. Yeah. This is why people ask me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. I, I kind of went there deeper last week. I won't go so deep because I, I could felt the, the room cringe. People ask me all the time, can you be gay and be a Christian? Well, no. Now, some of you are like, okay, oh, it got a little uncomfortable here. Let me explain why. People may call you gay. 
You may even identify with being gay, but if you've accepted Jesus Christ, he doesn't see you as that. And sometimes we're living and walking and identifying with things that God has not identified. So you could be a full-blown practicing, and I'm going to qualify that for those who are getting really religious, you know, people who are in a same-sex relationship, and yes, you can be saved. Oh, but doesn't the Bible say that no, do not be deceived if no one who practices these things will enter the kingdom of God? I know that's the scripture people are thinking about. Think about this. Think about this. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he said, hey, guys, stop doing this. Who's he talking to? The Corinthian church. And he says, I want you not to be deceived. People who are murderers, extortioners, and he also names homosexuals and other things. He says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, this is for, if you want a scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He says, and such were, were. somebody say were. And such were some of you, but you've been justified, but you've been glorified, but you've been sanctified. In other words, you may be doing this, but that's not who you are. Start living like who you are. So can I be gay and be a Christian? No, you can't. You may think you're gay. You may call yourself gay. You may call yourself these things. God doesn't see you that way. Well, you guys came back from last week, so you guys are, you guys are good? <laughs> so when someone is, I want you to see this really clear, because this, this is going to help people. Can I be a murderer and be saved? See, murderer was like, whoa, that's, that's deep. You have to understand what makes you saved. What makes, let's forget that question. Here's what you have to ask yourself. What actually makes you saved? If you can understand that question, then every other question is easily answered. What makes you saved? If you ask a lot of people that question, they will begin by saying, right? Well, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, okay, excellent. Then they'll add to it. And if you stop doing this and if you start living this and, da, 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 and they start adding to what makes you saved. No, bro. It doesn't work like that. You're saved because you've come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word now needs to work in you to renew your mind so that you can start living like who you really are. See, I, I, I could feel it. You don't know what I feel. I could feel the, the resistance. Like, oh, this is not good. This is not, this, this is scary. And this is how Jesus ministered to people. When he looked at the woman that was caught in adultery, he could have easily said, you're not worthy of anything. Get out of here. He saw beyond that. And he said, where are, your, where are those who, who condemn you, who accuse you? No. I don't know, they're gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What did he do? He valued her and he valued righteousness. He valued what was right. He didn't say go and get your freak on, girl. No, he didn't do that. He said go and sin no more. 
but he didn't condemn her. But he didn't condemn her. So he, up, he upheld what was right and he upheld her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you understand those two things, you can navigate any room. A lot of times people are nervous when it comes to dealing with these types of topics because they don't know what to do. I don't want to seem judgmental. I don't want to seem this. I don't want to seem that. Oh, I feel so awkward. What about this person? Value righteousness and value people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Value what is right. Value the word of God. But value people. You can do both. You don't have to choose one or the other. You can uphold what is right and uphold the dignity of people. Thank you, Jesus. Is this good? 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Why am I saying all of these things? It's because I want you to have confidence towards God. There are some people who don't have confidence towards God because there are things in their life that they're dealing with and struggling with. And they're like, man, I, I, who, who am I to come to the Lord? Who am I to, who am I to do this? And, 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 and this, is, this, is, this is what happens when you're not condemned. It says, if our heart does not condemn us, what happens? We have confidence towards God. This is what God wants. He wants you to have confidence towards him. He wants you to have confidence towards him. This is why if you don't have confidence and instead you have condemnation, God is giving you the good news. Listen, I'm greater than your heart. I'm greater. Your heart doesn't know all things about you. What you're feeling doesn't have all the entire truth about you. Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to have confidence towards me. And if you have confidence towards me, you'll come to me. And if you come to me, I can renew you, empower you, and help you. But if you run from me, then you detach yourself from where the grace is flowing to help you. Oh, I'm, I'm getting excited about this. This is revolutionary for you. If it is, I want you to receive that. There is no place for condemnation. Glory to God. Let me move on. Remember I said he upholds what is right and he upholds people. Matthew chapter 8 verses 2 to 3. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now a leper was obviously someone who was considered unclean. It was a, a skin disease. It was a horrible disease. It's mostly wiped out today, but there are very small colonies even still today that exist where people are lepers and they cannot have contact with others because it's a very contagious uh, disease. So here's this leper, he comes to Jesus. Now to be a leper wasn't sin. Just because you were unclean, it doesn't mean you were a sinner, but you were unclean. That means you couldn't touch people. You couldn't be in relationship with people until that was dealt with. So what does Jesus, what, what does he do? Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Why, did, why is he touching him? He's showing him that I uphold the dignity of your, of your humanity. While the law might be, oh my God, oh my God. 
I'm going to show you that I can uphold what the law says, and you'll see that in a second, but I can still uphold you. This is what it means when Jesus fulfilled the law. He did what the law could not do. The law was just black and white. It was just, think of it like the Constitution or like the law of this state. There are different laws that every state has, and sometimes it's just black and white, and it's just, well, it doesn't leave any room for nuance. It doesn't leave any room for case-by-case analysis. It's just this. Well, Jesus said, listen, this is not reflective of God's entire heart. I've come to fulfill and to show you what God truly means by all these laws. So he touched him saying, I'm willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now look at verse four. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest. He's going back to the law and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In other words, do what you're supposed to do according to the law because Jesus lived in the law, but he still touched him and healed him. Jesus didn't condemn people. He didn't shun people. And he's not shunning you. He's not condemning you. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you two reasons and then I'm done. Why doesn't Jesus condemn people? This is going to bless you. Why doesn't Jesus condemn people? One, he always believes in the possibility of change. That's the reason why. Condemnation is a sentence. It's finalization of something. When you condemn someone, you're saying, this is who you are, and this is the punishment, case closed. The reason why Jesus doesn't condemn you is because he always believes in the possibility of change. Think about that. If you're alive, there are things that you can change. There are things that can happen differently. Your story doesn't. This is why the Bible is filled with so many stories of how things were a certain way for people for so long. Someone was lame for 38 years. Someone was blind for this amount of years. Someone had an issue of blood for 12 years. Someone was this for this amount of years. And why is the Bible so insistent on putting these numbers? It's to show you it doesn't make a difference how long it's been. God always believes in the possibility of change. And this is why he doesn't condemn you, because he knows all things. Look at the scripture found in 2 Peter 3, 8. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Some might ask, why is Jesus taking so long to come? He's waiting because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants as many people to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He is not quick to judge. He is not quick to strike. He is not quick to condemn. He is not quick to be angry. No, the Bible says he is long-suffering. This will help you in your own relation. How many people can say that you're long-suffering? Let me say it this way. To be long-suffering means you're willing to suffer for a long time. How many are willing to suffer for a long time? To allow. That word suffer means allow. 
you are willing to allow something to go on for a long time. Some of you are like, no, not me. I am, not, I am short suffering. <laughs> right? I'm quick suffering. <laughs> that, that's where I'm at. I'm a quick sufferer. Well, Jesus, the Bible says, is a long sufferer, not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. Think about that. This is who he is. And this is who he is towards you. This is why he doesn't condemn you. He believes that things can change for you. So I have good news. I don't care how long it's been a struggle. I don't care how long it's been a cycle. I don't care how long it's been what it's been. Things can change in a nanosecond. If you would believe in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would believe that he is who he says he is, and you would come to him just as he is, he will make you all that you're destined to be. You don't have to run from him. You don't have to be afraid of his judgment. You don't have to be afraid that he'll condemn you. No, none of that is in his character. He suffers long because he is not willing that any should perish. Somebody should shout on that your heart will tell you a different story your heart will tell you oh that was the last time oh don't press your luck but the bible says god is greater than your heart and he knows all things thank you jesus come on isn't that good news yeah yeah you can clap for that that's great news hallelujah John 3, 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. I mean, who, who believes in Jesus? He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. That's very interesting. Refusing, refusing to put your faith in the saving power of Jesus invites condemnation in your life it invites condemnation in your life the quickest way to avoid condemnation is to put your faith in the name the saving power that's in the name of Jesus he not only saved you from your sin but he saves you from anything that you need saving from. It's not like Jesus said, well, listen, I did the hardest part. You figure out the rest on your own. I saved you from your sin, and now you just got to deal with the rest. I mean, just thank God that you're saved. I mean, you might go through a miserable life on earth. You might have bondage on earth, but at least you're saved. Oh, I'm tired. That was a lot of work. You do the rest. No, Jesus is in the saving business. He's in the saving business. This is what he does. And where you disconnect from his ability to save you is where you allow condemnation to grip you. See, at the point where you said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. Guess what? You escape condemnation of eternal damnation. Praise the Lord. That's the biggest thing. But now you got a life to live here on earth. The moment you start taking responsibility for your own salvation, the moment you start figuring, 
I got to figure it out. I got to do it by my own willpower. I got to be more disciplined. I got, and you start putting the onus on you, you start inviting condemnation. But when you live from the principle of I receive salvation by faith and I'm saved, and you live from that the rest of your life, what are you doing? You're saying, Lord, just as you saved me from this, you will save me from that. And you will save me from this, and you will save me from that. I don't put any, any onus on me. I put it all on you, and that's how you live free from condemnation. Oh, God, I don't know if you guys are getting this, but I'm telling you, Jesus wants to rid you of the burden of saving yourself. He wants to rid you of the burden of saving yourself. You can't save yourself. I'm going to just be blunt with you. you. There's certain addictions you can't stop. There's certain things you cannot do on your own. There's certain ways of living you cannot come out from. But thank God for his rich mercy and his saving power. Because it is that that causes you to be free from those things. So what do you do? How do I live in this? You start exalting the saving power of Jesus. I love to say it this way. When I go to God, Jesus, I, can't, I, I like to admit where I cannot do. What, what I want to do or what, Lord, I'm unable to do this in my own strength. Lord, I don't have what it takes in my own strength. But thanks be to God that I don't have to do it in my own strength. Your saving power, your delivering power is with me. The more I exalt his grace, the more I exalt his salvation, the less condemnation has access in my heart. The less condemnation has access in my heart, the more confidence I have towards God. The more confidence I have towards God, the more I go to him to receive from him. The more I go to him to receive from him, the more I live in victory. See, it's a cycle that the enemy wants to bring to. He wants you to feel like you got to save yourself, and then you don't, and you're like, man, I messed up, so I can't go to God because, you know what, I'm, I'm playing God, so you don't go to God, and then you disconnect yourself from the power source that is there to save you in the first place. Jesus is in the saving business. And I want you to know he's here to save right now. Thank you, Lord. Faith in the name of Jesus repels condemnation, not trusting in his name invites condemnation. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's a lot. Then let me just, just tie this up very quickly. For those who, who, who want to really receive greater intimacy with the Lord and you want to walk in a place where you don't feel condemnation and you, and you really feel free in your heart. One of, the, one of the key things is you have to constantly look, look to Jesus and his ministry. You have to study him, the person. Take your eyes off of anything else but look. And here's the scripture. It says that with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. When you are looking to Jesus, what's happening? Transformation is taking place and you're being transformed into the same image. So all that Jesus is, 
you start to see yourself as that. And here's the beauty of, it, of this. Jesus is non-condemning. You start being non-condemning first towards yourself, secondly towards others. But also, Jesus upholds truth. You start upholding truth first towards yourself and then also towards others. How do you do that? By examining the person of Jesus Christ, the one who was filled with grace and truth, who upholds righteousness and people at the same time. He upholds you and he upholds what is right. And here's the beauty, the, the, the beauty about this. How many know that you are the righteousness of God? When, when God upholds his righteousness, that's his, that's his word, he's upholding his righteousness by also upholding you because you are his righteousness. Imagine that. Before it was like, okay, let me just uphold. In the, in the Old Testament when Jesus was ministering, he was upholding people, though they weren't righteous, but I, I love you, so I'm going to uphold you. But God is saying this. He's saying something even more powerful today. I'm not only holding my word as the standard of righteousness, I'm holding you as the standard of righteousness. So that when you may not look like you're measuring up to my word, I don't tell you you're not this, you're not that. I'm saying, hey, this is who you are. Start living like who you really are. I'm upholding you because you are the standard of righteousness. Oh, pastor, trust me, I'm not the standard of righteousness. I'm not the standard. Yes, you are. The Bible says that if you've placed your faith in Christ, you have become a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are God's standard of righteousness. I can't say it any stronger, but I want you to believe it. When God sees you, he sees righteousness. Hallelujah. He sees righteousness. So when he's upholding you, it's not that he's upholding you because you're dead weight. Oh, I got to hold you up. No, I'm upholding you because you are righteous. But as you behold his ministry, as you behold who he is, as you study him, as you let him be the focal point and his work towards your life, you become transformed into that reality. You start to begin to see yourself as he sees you. Jesus. And that awkwardness, like I demonstrated earlier, starts to go away. No more awkwardness for you in the presence of God. You'll be able to come to God unashamed, naked and unashamed. Praise the Lord. That's, that's the will of God. You know, in the, in the beginning, we were all obviously naked. You know, Adam and Eve, I should say, was naked before the Lord. No clothes. The, and, and something about sin distorted our perception of our beauty. Now, I'm not one of those nudists that's, that, that, you know, secretly I'm, you know, hey, guys. You know. No, I, I believe in wearing clothes, you know. <laughs> but... That has come into this world because of the effect of sin. Prior to sin, there was no self-consciousness. This is why when we take off our clothes, many of us, we look at ourselves we're like, oh, man, I don't like the way I look. Oh, you know, you ever walk by the mirror, you're like, man, what happened? You know, and, you, and, you, and, and you, you're like, man, you, you become so self-conscious. Adam and Eve didn't have to deal with that. 
But sin produces self-consciousness. Now in the realm of the spirit, sometimes that goes even deeper where we don't even feel like coming to God. We feel like, man, what happened? I can't go to God. No, he's like, I want you to come and face me. Like, like, like you're looking at a mirror and see the glory and not be ashamed of the image you see. Thank you, Lord, for that. He wants you to walk before him proud of what he has done in your life. How many can think of what God has done in your life? Come on, be proud of that. Paul went around telling his story, how God saved him, how Jesus appeared to him. People went about the way the the gospel spread. They told the story. They boasted in what the Lord did for them. They were proud of the work that the Lord has done for them. This is for somebody. You want to get out of self-consciousness and condemnation? Start talking more of the work that God has done in your life. You'll become more aware. Well, this is amazing. That's true. I'm not like I used to be. I I don't do this anymore. I don't think this way anymore. I don't feel these things anymore. This is not happening to me anymore. And you start becoming aware. Whoa, God is sneaky. He's really working. And I'm not even paying attention. And all of a sudden, I I take a look and I'm like, wow, how did I get so far? You start acknowledging how you got so far. What happens? You start boasting in the Lord. You start boasting in his grace. You start boasting in what he's done for you. And all of a sudden, you, you face something. You're like, I can do this. I got this. God is in me. He's helped me so, so, so much for so long. All of a sudden, I don't feel judged or self-conscious or ashamed. I feel free. Amen. That's your portion today. Facing Jesus. When you face him, you'll realize that you're not condemned. I want to pray for every person in the room as you bow your head. For those who may feel condemned, first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted him as your savior, there is no condemnation towards you, but you do have a responsibility. And your responsibility is to receive the gift of Jesus. If you don't receive this gift, you will live a life of condemnation. Because there will be something in your heart that tells you something's not right. Something's not right. And that thing is saying, I need Jesus. I'm incomplete. Jesus wants to fill your life right now. So if you sense the Lord tugging at your heart, and I know that he is. If you've never received him as your savior, if you've never surrendered your life to him, this moment is all about you. All about you. I want you to bow your head. I want you to pray this prayer with me as you receive Christ into your heart. Say this. Say, Father, today... I accept your son Jesus as my savior. Jesus, you died for me. You rose the third day. You're alive today. Be my Lord. Be my savior. In Jesus' name, I surrender my life. Amen. 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 This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, Visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.